Hello, this is Lisa LaRose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM, and I am blessed that Michael J. Russ is joining me today. I want to just welcome you, Michael, and then get into the meat and potatoes of everything that we want to discuss in today's show. So welcome. Absolutely. We're going to make a great stew today with those meat and potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Put some carrots in there. And who <laughs> Thank knows you. What it's else. awesome to be here. Always yeah, Welcome. Yeah, so we're, we're doing a, a, a series all about um, self-love and recognizing that you are enough. And uh, one of the, the things that I came across, and it's a wonderful little poem uh, written by Nikki Bannis uh, from the band Walk the Earth, and it's called Purpose. So I'm just going to start the show with that, and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. But um, So it says, do not forget who you are and where you come from. You are made of the brightest stars and the widest oceans. You are made of the highest mountains and the tallest trees. You are made of magic and dreams and wishes and light. You have heroes, warriors, kings, queens, gods and goddesses flowing through your veins. You come from infinite possibilities and incredible odds. You are here for a reason. And that's uh, mm-hmm. from Nikki Bannis of Walk the Earth. And uh, so for, for our audience members who may not know about the band, it's a very unique group um, from Canada, from Burlington, Ontario. They were sort of an independent pop band and they were very innovative if you uh, have an opportunity to check out some of their videos they use things that really aren't instruments and they create amazing vocal harmonies and they blend sort of like folk pop and reggae all together and uh, they came into the limelight with a, a, a song that they covered using five people on one guitar the song was somebody that I used to know and when I I started looking at this and I was thinking about how it relates to our topic, Michael, of self-love and being enough and Mm -hmm. really knowing the essential self. I think that it really was um, a really great metaphor for how we as individuals have our own harmony and vibration, but that when we come together in connection, when you know your part and who you truly are, who your pure being is, it really harmonizes with life. And um, so that's where I thought we would start the show today. And I'm going to just he- would love to hear your thoughts about her poem, purpose, uh, and what your thoughts are on our own individual vibration and how we evolve through that. Thank you. Um, my take. Uh... It's interesting uh, when we, I guess I can, you know, I can't speak for somebody else. However, I know that in terms of my purpose, something I have uh, and, and still at 64 searching for uh, the, um, the actual essence of the life purpose that I'm here for to, uh, to, um, uh, to, to successfully uh, master uh, whatever it is that I'm supposed to do here. Um, when I look back over my life, as, as I encourage all of our uh, listeners to do as well, you can kind of see those places where you've had these, these pivots. And um, I was looking at, I was thinking about the other day during my walk, the, how I came to such a high level of, of self-love. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, because it's 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 always it's your greatest challenge is to love yourself, 
because there's so many outside forces and influences that are telling you that you're not enough, that you're not good enough. So it's always the challenge. Um, and it made me turn something on. It was a, uh, a piece that I know I forwarded to you f- uh, from Brian Scott. It was a video. Uh, he was reading a chapter out of uh, Dr. Joseph Murphy's book about the power of suggestion and mm-hmm. how, and I found it so cool that he was talking about, Murphy was talking about, Dr. Murphy, the, that we, we are just simply bombarded by all these suggestions and our subconscious mind uh, is, uh, doesn't do our thinking. It basically is where we record everything. It, if, you're, if your conscious mind says, I love you, uh, that will be imprinted. If you say, I love you to yourself, you're imprinting that on your subconscious, in your subconscious mind. Uh, if you say, I hate you, that's what you're imprinting on your subconscious mind. So it's just, it's just a recorder that will play back whatever it is you give it. And if you, if you watch, uh, if you um, engage in things that involve a lot of lower frequencies that, that lead to you vibrating lower frequencies, uh, then those, those low frequencies will be imprinted on your subconscious, the, the fear, the worry, the anxiety. And um, for me, the turning point, at some particular point, I can't point the exact time frame. Uh, however, I started filtering out those things that didn't make me feel good when I exposed myself to them. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we want to be... Um, we want to love ourselves. We just, in my, in my view, no one ever teaches you how. You know, I mean, really that's what it boils, boils down to. You're thrust into this life, uh, all kinds of influences coming at you left and right since the day you were born. And, you know, and, and some of us don't even get love from our parents. We right. don't really know what love is, you know. And uh, I... I tell people all the time that the love we have, you know, we, we, everybody wants love. And, and I said last week, we come from love, we seek a depth of love our entire lives. Whether we realize it or not, we're seeking a depth of love. We're, we're seeking that acknowledgement uh, from other people. And then we, we return to love. And, and we're talking about a deep, unconditional, unabiding love. And uh, wouldn't it be great to experience that now? Well, we can. And this is what our, our shows are really about. And what Dr. Joseph Murphy was talking about is that in order to get to the essence of the love you have for yourself, you have to clear out all this stuff, all these suggestions, uh, being, uh, i.e., like, you're not good enough, you'll never succeed at that, this isn't something that I I think you'll be good at. Other people have told you these things. They don't even know who you are. (laughs) You know, in many cases, you don't even know the essence of who you are yet. It's a, it's a, a journey of self-discovery. And we have to put ourselves in a position where we can discover our essence, discover our talents and our gifts, and have some success with them, and translate that success into, uh, 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 make that success a conduit that can help us uh, tap deeper into the love we have for ourselves. And uh, I Obviously, you know, I play the drums. I've talked about it many times. And when I started playing at seven years of age and I recognized I had a knack for it, um, I knew that I could always 
go to playing the drums when I needed to ground myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's another thing that, that nobody ever teaches you how to do. How do you ground yourself? I talk about it in my books. Uh, Zero Verse, I talked about it. Um, how do you ground yourself? How do you tap into who you are, what you are good at, what makes you feel good about yourself, what brings you, what, what you do for yourself that, that brings you joy. Um, and, and these things, when you tap into those things and you feel them deeply, you then can harness, you can, you can imprint that on your subconscious by also saying and thinking, I love me. I love who I am. I love this about me. I love that I can do this, right? All these things, when you, when you tap into it and you say that and you imprint that on your, your subconscious and then you develop a filter uh, of the ability to reason consciously from a perspective of understanding and being able to see and recognize when outside suggestions other people's suggestions, advertising suggestions, social media suggestions, whatever it is that's, that's coming at you, recognizing when it is harmful to your own self-loving well-being. And that is one of the major keys. You can love yourself like crazy until someone you respect and love as well, have a, 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 a depth of love for yourself tells you something that is incongruent with self-love, incongruent with how you feel about yourself. You don't know why they do it. It might suddenly, it might be out of spite. You might have said something and it, they took it the wrong way and now they're saying something to you that is, that is people would judge as hurtful, right? And if you accept that as the truth, then it diminishes the love you have for yourself. And we have to be ever mindful and aware of these circumstances out there. We're here to develop this depth of love for ourselves. And part of that is making sure that you're not shooting yourself in the foot by being, uh, by, by letting your subconscious be so suggestible. That, that really is what Dr. Murphy was saying. And it's, it's a brilliant conversation he had. I think it went off about 45 minutes, oh uh, 45, gosh, 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, there's so many I'll, nuggets of gold in there. Yeah, I'll try to post a, a link to it so that our audience, that we, if you can find the time to listen to it, it is well worth it. Oh, and yeah. There's, there's <laughs> so, so much, much to you unpack. Know, we, mm-hmm. it, it's true. There's, there's a lot to unpack in it, a lot of cool nuggets of things that, that, uh, that are relative to this. However, if you want to love yourself, you have to make sure that you're, you're not only doing things that you enjoy, that bring you enthusiasm, that help you um, under, tap into the, the love for yourself based on what you're, what you're good at, tap into things you can, you can uh, do successfully. But you have to, again, create that filter and, you know, a, a coat, suit of armor almost to just deflect. Uh, all of the stuff out there that is that is seeking to tell you otherwise, that you're not good enough, that you're never going to be enough if you don't have this thing, if you don't do that thing, if you don't uh, – if my mother, the thought virus I had from uh, – that I – she inadvertently gave me 
back when I dropped out of college after two and a half years, she said, you know, she says, you know, I don't know if you're going to be as successful as you want to be without a college degree. And I was like, Interesting. Mm, huh? Yeah. I faced wow. that. And then when I got the, the job of a lifetime, um, that always, I didn't realize how that had imprinted, how I had accepted that, imprinted that on my, on my subconscious uh, mind. And it, and it impacted how I felt about myself as I was pursuing the success in my life that I've, I knew I deserved. And mm-hmm. I, I got the, the opportunity of a lifetime in terms of a profession, and, I, and I, I struggled for about a year and a half to two. I struggled with myself and my own concepts of success because I was in the room doing the same thing with people who had masters and PhDs, mm-hmm. right? So, right. Um, yeah, you could, that can be kind of intimidating when, when you've got a thought virus operating within you that says, I don't know if you're going to be successful with the yeah. a college degree. <laughs> right? It's so, so much, yeah, I get it, Michael. I mean, I went to college, but what's so interesting is, and I, I want to share this with you because it is so much in alignment with what you're saying. So I was in uh, on a, a trajectory to be going pre-med, right? My father got cancer right. my junior year of college. I had to graduate in four years to get out because we had a, a family business I needed help. And I couldn't, I didn't have the luxury of um, doing whatever I needed to do. So I switched my major into arts and sciences degree, graduated, and we had a printing company. I started doing work on the side. I started doing freelance design work. I, I always liked to do art. Um, it wasn't what I went to school for. And then I started, I ended up working for a company as, as in that regard. And I started creating and working on the computer and generating things. And I would go to these events and there were all of these people who had degrees in art and graphic design. Oh, yeah. And I saw myself as less than because I did not, that was not what my degree was in. I felt like a fraud. I felt like a phony. Here I am. Mm -hmm. I don't have this magical piece of paper that says I can create art and do it well and and (laughs) whatnot. And so I, I mean, and, and it took me a long time to realize that I, guess what? I was enough. I was enough that I could produce things that were beautiful and mm-hmm. in alignment and within the layout principles of what I perceived as right. And I was all self-taught on my programs and everything else. And, and, it, it's, and it's a very interesting, uh, I guess it's a conditioning and a belief system. So I really appreciate you sharing that because I... I you too. I, I wonder how many other people who are in the same in uh, on the same trajectory where they are doing something that they weren't trained for, but they find they have a talent or a gift for it, and maybe they suppress it. Maybe there's some people who have left what they would have been really good at because there was some thought virus that they they mm, couldn't do. Mm. It. Yeah, that really, they get hung up in. Yeah, they started listening. Their subconscious was driving uh, their uh, conscious ability. Um, mm-hmm. Love that story, by the way, about you, and thank you for being so vulnerable today and telling it. We were on the same page. You know there's a reason why we are doing this show together, because we have, we have this sort of this parallel universe that we're, we've been operating in mm-hmm. for, uh, for our entire lives. And what's interesting is 
that I want to point out to our, our, our audience is that it's not just, you know, it could be school. It could also be the fact that, you know, I mean, I play music, but I don't read music. I started to read music uh, back when I started to play. However, because we moved around so much, I basically lost touch with that ability. And mm-hmm. uh, because it was, I, it was at an impressionable time in my beginning. So think about it for a second. I, I, I can sit down and play with anybody. However, I don't, I don't read music. I know pianists that don't read music. I know guitar, I know one of the best guitar players in this town, a fabulous musician, doesn't read music, right? He can play anything he hears. He just doesn't read music. What a gift. He, understand, he, can, he can dance around a song like nobody's business, doesn't read music. Um, Lionel Richie doesn't read music. Wow. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah, one that of the top amazing. hit writers. Oh, yeah, he doesn't read music, Right. Some of the most amazing people that, uh, amazing musicians uh, in, uh, you know, I have a friend who's the bass player in, uh, who's the bass player from um, uh, Katrina and the Waves. Doesn't read music. Doesn't read music, you know. And it, it, it's, it's interesting how he knows music. He knows keys and other things and tempos and stuff like that. But if you put a piece of sheet music in front of him, he's lost, right? So... Uh, what's interesting is that we can have talents and gifts that we can uh, that we can tap into. Understanding the fact that that I mean, did it prevent Lionel Richie from being one of the the greatest songwriters of all time? No, absolutely. If not. I could, if right. I had enough time to think about, it, I could come up with a dozen more people who who are uh, who were brilliant uh, at uh, brilliant singers, brilliant songwriters, uh, people. What here's here's something really interesting. This is, this is really cool. One of the absolute top and most sought-after music producers in the world who's worked with, oh, my gosh, Johnny Cash through every genre of music, every A-list musician and, and singer, songwriter, number one top hit maker. This guy, you look at him, he looks like – now he looks like a, uh, he looks like a, a, a guru, long, silver, hair, in a kind of scraggly all over with a beard and he he sits in the studio in yoga style and sits on a few pillows and listens and it was interesting because he was in an interview last week uh, with somebody from cbs who said what is it about you he said do you read music he says no do you play an instrument no do you write music i don't even, i wouldn't know how to write a song <laughs> i wouldn't know how to do any of that I, I wouldn't know. I, I don't know anything about. Do you do you understand how to how to work a, a soundboard as an engineer? No, I have no clue. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about music, and he says, "So what makes you so special in your eyes?" And he says, "I can feel what I'm hearing. I can there feel." You go. And I and I I basically he closes his eyes and he listens, and he knows what makes him feel good. And so he may, he suggests various things. I was going to say, right. was that Rick Rubin by any chance? Mm. The, Let me look him up. I, I have to see. Hold on. Hold I, on. I, I have just, to see. Yeah, please. Did you see something uh, on him? I did. I saw him on the sh- uh, show with uh, Rich Roll, and I, I was just blown away. <laughs> He's a, kind, of blown a, away kind of a heavy set, heavy set guy, heavy set guy. Uh, gray, long gray hair. He looks like a hippie. 
Yeah, he does. Looks like yeah, he and he's he's worked with some amazing people. And actually, yep, one of, that's, that's him. one of the things he said. That is him. He said that he, you know, his weight he always saw as an obstacle. He's always self-conscious. Now here's somebody that's mm-hmm. so incredibly successful and and able to bring the jewels of treasures <laughs> out of these musicians. Um, yes, and really yes. showcase. He, he does everything very minimally. He doesn't. He doesn't really add. Right. He he allows their brilliance to shine through. I, I was mm-hmm. just blown away by <laughs> blown away by it. Really blown away he's by just, it. It, it. It's amazing. The way he, it, it, you were. Thank you so much for bringing up his name. I looked him up. That is exactly who I'm talking about. It is what is amazing. Is is his his story of how he does what he does and and it it brings up the the connection between uh feeling and the frequencies that you know that you can resonate at up higher lower whatever we have to develop each of us has to develop a keen sense of how we feel in any given moment I know people that are that are that they're like freight trains through an event. Mm-hmm. They don't pay it. They don't have no clue how they feel. They're just reacting, right? They're just reacting and generally reacting with lower frequencies. Things are happening in their life, and you can ask them how do you feel about that. I don't know. I'm so. You know, I know how you feel about it. You're you're resonating at at you know with with fear, worry, anger, hate, jealousy. You're 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 resonating all these lower frequencies. And here's something really interesting that Dr. Joseph Murphy uh, said, which I found was so it was so profound, that when you operate at lower frequencies, uh, anxiety, when you're anxious about things, when you're fearful, when you're worried or frustrated or just plain angry, emotionally upset, that is when you're most suggestive. Mm-hmm. That is when suggestion. Um, that's when you you are are most likely to take on a thought virus, to accept someone's suggestion. Someone could say something, and you oh yeah right you all of a sudden you imp, you imprint it with a lot of emotion on your subconscious. That is when you're most impressionable. When you are operating at lower frequencies, when you're at high frequencies of happiness and love and and peace and harmony and joy, you're less susceptible susceptible to suggestion really really interesting and Mm -hmm. so how do we feel how do we feel in any given moment I know that I over time had developed this really keen sense of understanding what I was feeling in any moment when someone said something and I got you know you get that tightness something that maybe was out of sorts and you get a tightness in your solar plexus you know kind of like oh you get that you know right in your you can kind of feel it in your gut like something's wrong here you know, I took this the wrong way, or somebody said something. And I think of I think of uh, Terry Cole Whitaker's um, "What You Think of Me Is None of My Business." Uh, mm-hmm. We we in today's world, in today's world, our our self love is always under attack. That's the way I would put it. It's always under attack by outside influences and people who don't really know who we are. Think about the internet. Think about social social media. People will say something to you, cyberbullying, all that. That's all from people who don't know you. They don't know your essence. They've never met you. Yet, this is the craziness of it. We accept what they say as truth. Mm-hmm. 
when they don't even they've never met us they 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 don't they've never spent an iota of seconds with us you know and and this is what's crazy this is how our self love is always over attack under attack i would in the morning by the way when i started uh by, by the career 30 38 years ago one of the ways that i that i got that i was able to turn that thought virus around and kind of eject it you know from my being right is by yeah pardon no i said i i said i'd love i'd love to hear it yeah um i tapped into i started looking around at the people i was working with that had masters and phd's and i went to refocus on what my strengths were uh my strengths were relational connection the ability to uh to sense engage how other people felt i was doing my business over the phone and i discovered that i had a knack for instantaneously uh gauging where the other person was coming from how they how, how they felt i could tell in a second if i interrupted them doing something whether or not they were uh happy sad whether they were out of sort you know, depressed about something whether they were joyful i could tell instantaneously i could sense it and that was one of my greatest strengths because i could run with that i could actually connect with them by understanding how they felt and i'm talking about in seconds right just when they say hello i could tell i could i could tell right then and there it didn't get over my head it went right into me and i boom i know i know so relational connection was one of my strengths you've heard about the, the term street smarts okay mm-hmm. um i i had been in sales for a long time and so i knew how to connect with people i knew that once i did i i knew i know who i am i am a persuader i'm in i'm somebody who's an influencer that is my makeup that's my personality profile if as it were and i figured that out mm-hmm. early on i just didn't connect it i was so disconnected from it because of the room i was in with a bunch of people the office i was in with a bunch of people uh and so i went back to my strengths and i started using my strengths i started tapping into my strengths and those strengths uh were were far and above beyond many of the other people who were in the room who had degrees they had degrees but they did they weren't in touch with their own feelings or how other people felt they weren't in touch with how to connect with people instantaneously they had no skill in doing it because they you know they came from uh, book smarts maybe they came directly from university or they came from a educational background you know and they were they were brainiacs they were in their head instead of their heart that is was the difference and i quickly determined that and i said huh i can do this and then every morning i started getting up and looking myself in the mirror as i was getting dressed and said i love you and you can do anything oh, i love you and you can do anything <laughs> Yeah, I looked myself and I and I, I I would ramp it up. I would get really I mean, I go like, "I love you and you can do anything." I mean, I'd take it to another level from an emotional I just kept ramping it up, ratcheting it up. The emotion, motion and the feeling. And by the time I walked out of my house, I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm into this. I can do anything." You know, I put my mind to. I can do anything. And I love me and I I know I am successful. You know, it's kind of like before the mm-hmm. success occurs, you have to be that success. And so that's what I did. And uh and it and it was awesome. And I do the same thing when I sit down and I play the drums with somebody who's 
accomplish as a musician. I can feel, I can feel the music, kind of like Rip Rubin does. Like I can feel it. I can close my eyes and I can feel it. And I know where to come in, where to stop, and how to, I can gauge the flow of the music. I have that mm-hmm. gift. And so we all have to do this. We all have to determine what our, uh, where our strengths and gifts lie and, and focus on them. Focus on those. Let those build us up. Let those build the love inside us for ourselves. I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of it, too, is almost a remembrance of who you are, who who this being, who this amazing soul is. Mm -hmm. One of the teachers I had, and I tell people all the time, it's I'm getting better and better at remembering the things that I forgot. And so if you are getting better and better at remembering the things that you forgot as a soul coming into this world, then as you start to reconnect with your wholeness and return to harmony in in an effort to thrive, you are going to discover your your gifts and your talents. And Mm -hmm. really, I think that that's what a lot of it is all about and being authentic. And I know we use that word a lot about what authenticity is but it's really you know shakespeare said to the to thine own self be true Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. knowing that somewhere in you is is this nugget this this feeling and and what's right always feels good i don't care (laughs) you can sit there and tell me you know xyz and i'm going to feel it in my gut and i'm going not so much not for me maybe it's true for you but if somebody says oh you know you have to try this or you have to do this and i feel it and i i ask myself is this for me and and sometimes Mm -hmm. i get a big no and i have to know when to 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 bow out there was a time in my life that i would it was easy to say yes and i would find myself doing things that were really not in alignment with who i was and so I think we all so go through true. that as part of it's part of yeah. where we learn to trust ourselves on this this journey through life. And mm-hmm. I think that the most important thing to remember is is each one of us have our own unique path and and really just to be the best version of yourself every day. And for me, it's that I, I try to let that you know I'm doing my best. And if I truly, in my heart, know that I did my best today. I, I can't beat myself up for whatever happened. Yeah. There's going to be challenges, yeah. whatever it is. I, I know that I did the best that I could do. And oftentimes what ha- will happen, I mean, maybe it might not be you know, six months from now, a year from now, whatever, I'll look back and I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm so glad that happened. <laughs> because that took me, I learned so many things, and I'm able to share this with other people and it brought me to exactly where i'm at right now and i think that's what the awareness of of who you are and that falling in love with yourself and who it is that that you are in this journey of life and and i would encourage everybody every morning you know just be the best version of yourself that you can be and honor your Mm -hmm. your gifts and your talents and discover i mean there are certain things uh, you know that you will find that you have more um uh, you're drawn to and and a lot of times some things are scary i mean i i remember i have these amazing friends that came moved here from japan and they used to do work with clay in their house and i they've learned this very unique 
form of Japanese ceramics. And they would invite me over and I'd watch them play with the clay. And they're like, here, here's a, here's a lump of clay. And, and I was like, well, you know, I, I'm, I don't know how to do that. And they said, I'll just play with it and ask the clay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what it wants to be. And I would just mm-hmm. mold it and make sure I would get all the bubbles out. And, and the first thing that my clay wanted to be was this little lion that I made. And I painted it. And, and it, you know, it, it was so <laughs> joyful. I love it. To see it, and and what what it what it was really, it was about it becoming, and and it just it just unfolded that way. I don't I don't know how to explain it any other way, but if you could use that as a metaphor for your life, you don't have to know what you want to want it to be. Mm-hmm. You, know, you mold it, you shape it, you pull things off, you put things in. You, this no longer serves me. I don't need this, and use whatever it is that um, you need to be whole i guess is is in in a nutshell <laughs> that's what i would that's, that's what i would well say well said well said well said Thank well said you. uh we don't you know it is uh, you, you bring up a very good point about uh you are like a like a piece of clay you're molding yourself as you go through life and shaping yourself and uh every experience you have uh becomes uh something that that um is, it shapes you and mm-hmm. the the key then is to understand the one inalienable fact that you are the one shaping you. You want to be the one shaping you, not somebody else or something else. Uh, there are people who um, who love themselves because of what they're doing, what their identity is at the time, and then when that that identity no longer exists, if you've based your self love on the fact that you were the best gymnast of the world. And all of a sudden, now you're, you're no longer being a gymnast. Uh, you've retired from that. What do you do? How, how do you how do you refer to yourself? How do you how do you think about yourself? And a lot of lot of uh, uh, from from uh, 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 people who've been at the peak of their profession uh, have a challenge in understanding who they are when they're no longer doing it. You know, the, the Michael Phelps had this had this uh, issue. Went into a deep depression uh, from from when he w- once he won all the gold medals he, anybody could win historically, uh, and a record that will stand in infamy. Uh, the the fact that you know he's no longer swimming that had been his identity since he was a very young kid. That that's that's who he was. That was the avatar that he was that he was. And all of a sudden he was no longer that avatar. He was just a common citizen and didn't know how to deal with it. And mm-hmm. the, the major question that I wonder is, had he ever tapped into the love he has for himself as just a human being? You know, had, had, he, had he been so focused on being the best that, uh, and, and listening to everybody tell him he was the best and, and walking that line, as many, of course, child actors do, um, mm-hmm. it, 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 makes it, it makes it a challenge. Um, I'm going to shift to the acting thing because my brother is an actor and, and probably has the one of the most the, 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 the most clear heads on his shoulders of anybody that I know. Uh, however, uh, and he's been doing it since 1981, and I've I've come across people who identified them who who when you when you're an actor and you're in a successful part role, be it a play, um, you're an actor in theater, actor in movies, television, whatever. Um, Everybody, you're surrounded by people who always tell you yes. No, nobody will tell you no because they're they want to they don't want to hurt your feelings, right? 
And so you get a real warped sense of reality. And reality is you're just a human being working and evolving your, who you are, just like everybody else, right? And so when, when you, your self-love comes from outside sources, people who tell you you're great, regardless of what job you did. Everything was excellent. Oh, it was awesome. That was amazing, right? That's all you hear. And then all of a sudden, you, that stops. What do you do? Because you've never had the contrast. You've never had a contrast of, well, that wasn't really that good. Why don't we work it again? You know, because it, when you get to a certain level and you're getting paid and you're the co-star or the star of something, it, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge because you always get positive feedback. Everybody loves you. The question is, do you love yourself? And so there's this conflict that rages on inside of uh, many people in my brother's profession. The conflict is self-love versus, you know, other people's love. And if other people don't keep, you know, you get addicted to other people's love, other people's kindness, other people's, uh, you know, yes, and acknowledgement, let's say, which is why I tell people, um, you know, other people's acknowledgement is awesome. Uh, however, what you really want is the depth of your own acknowledgement of who you are, of yourself, that you exist, that you are enough, that you uh, can do anything you set your mind to, that you are happy because you engage, you say you're happy, number one. It, it's, it's counterintuitive to say I'm unhappy because I am. Those two, those two words are, the, are the, the most powerful words you could ever say when it comes to your own inner conversation. They mm-hmm. state who you are in the present moment. And uh, I, you know, when you say I am this or I am that, that is what your self-conscious believes. You're saying it consciously, which is why I stood in front of the mirror and I said that. I was programming my self-consciousness, uh, my self-consciousness, my subconsciousness for success. That's what I was doing. I was... I love you. You can do anything. I can do anything. I am this. I am that. I would, heck, I'd practice. I'd get in my car and start yelling at myself at the top of the lungs how, how great I was, that I could do anything, that I could do this, that I am successful, that I am. Because you don't have a cheerleading squad. You're not born with a cheerleading squad. You are your own cheerleading squad. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. You know, there's a purpose behind it. There's a magic behind it. And... We are all, as we're all born from love, we're just kind of feeling our way around, right? Feeling our way around. And when you become alert and aware of the fact that you're not quite loving of yourself, and um, all the people I've ever come across who have been uh, addicted to substances, drank too much, whatever it was, I sensed that self-love was lacking. And I realized I, I had a client who was an alcoholic, and her, she, had, she lacked self-love. I don't know, I didn't go into how or why or whatever, but that's what she lacked. She lacked the love of self, a deep love of self. Beyond her disease, she, had, she lacked the love of self. And um, sometimes that's just the thought virus you can't shake because it came from somebody who was so important to you, and it's so imprinted your subconscious that you just have trouble, difficulty, finding the greatest challenge of your life to get beyond it, to, to love who you are, to love you for you. 
You know, it's, 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 it's crazy, but that's kind of the way it works. And uh, for those who are listening, uh, I can tell you one thing. There was a, a psychologist who I uh, listened to one day. It was on NPR years ago, decades ago. And she worked with people with regard to self-love. And the interviewer asked her, how many people, she said, first she said, I, I, the first thing I do when I, meet, when I have a, a new patient, in the first meeting, I have them stand in front of the mirror and say, I love you. And he said, so how many people do it? He says, statistically, 92% of the people that have come into my office can't do it. Right, I understand can't stand, mm-hmm. can't stand in front of a mirror, look themselves in the eye and say, I love you. They have a problem with it. And that's where she begins. That's how she understands what work she needs to do. That's and powerful. It's, it, is, it is seriously powerful, mm-hmm. isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know you have, you have some ways to go on your journey of self-love when that is an issue. Beyond that, uh, if that's not an issue, then it's then you can work on the higher levels of, of of evolution for yourself, which is again discovering what your what your gifts are, your talents are, and working with those and rearranging your life so that you do you engage more of your talents in what you're doing, the gifts you have. Uh, find show me somebody who's happy beyond belief, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll show you somebody who not only has a great inner conversation, they can sit around and say, "I love you, I care about you." They also can. They have a great filter. They don't let other people, they're in touch with their sovereignty is I guess what I want to say. They, they, they control what they think about themselves. They don't let other people tell them, you know, dictate to them uh, how they should feel or how they should think. They have a very strong center, so to speak. Uh, and uh, that is where we all want to be. I've gotten there through years of trial and error, understanding, you know, higher, seeking higher awareness, a lot of introspection for myself because I ask myself, why do you feel that way? If I feel off of the thing, what, okay, whoa, whoa, let's back up here. Let's zoom out and say, why do I feel that way? Somebody said something to me that I didn't, didn't like. Okay, what was it? What was the nature of it? What does it really mean to me? Is it something that isn't going to matter in 24 hours? Am I allowing someone to make me feel this uncomfortable? That's the question I ask myself. Am I letting somebody else, um, am I allowing someone else to do that to me? And I'm going like, why? How important is it that I have this person's attention, their acknowledgement? How important is that? I want to be the acknowledger of myself first. I come first in this life from a perspective of love because I understand that when I love myself, I project that out to others, and that's what they pick up on. And you know that. We do that. Mm-hmm. We go out. We, we see people. We connect with people on a daily basis that we don't know. Um, we have to come from a love. And you're smiling, your, your demeanor, your happiness, your understanding that, that you're the one in charge. You're the one behind the wheel. You're the one who's always had your hand on the rudder since you were born, not somebody else guiding your life somewhere. Um, I can use a, a, a dozen analogies about that. It, it, however, it, it still means the same thing, that you, you've always had the wheel in front of you, 
and your hands are on it sometimes, and sometimes you take your hands off the wheel and let other people drive your life. Why, is, is what I say. Why would you do that? Why would you let somebody else dictate to you how you should feel, what you should think, where you should go, have the ability to reason it out? All that is, is important for self-love because it, we, have to, we have to build up a, a – I can't let's put it this way. Let's, let's call it a muscle. Self-love is a muscle we have to work on. We have to mm-hmm. build it up, right? We have to build up our own self-love to make us impervious to the suggestions of other people and other institutions. There, there are dozens and uh, dozens, there are, there are millions of stories about people who have who've, who've been told, nah, you can't do that. Doctors, we talked about it a couple of episodes ago, doctors telling a patient, no, nah, I don't think you've got about six months to live. And if you allow that to imprint on your subconscious that I, in other words, if you say, I am going to die, once you say that, then your whole physicality, your whole psychology, your whole, you know, mind, body, and spirit starts to shut down because that's what you've told it to do. That's what you've told it to do. And other people will say, I'm living. I'm living. I am living. I am beating this. They fortify themselves. They put themselves on a different journey, a different path, because that's what they told themselves they are doing. All of a sudden, your body goes, wait a minute, hold on a second. Wait, I feel a little off, but hey, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm moving through this thing, because you've told your body, we're moving through this. And miracles happen. People call, oh, it's a miracle. Really? If I start to interview that person, I'll, I'll, I bet you the first thing we do is we find out, I listen to what they say and, and how they, their, their self-talk was so purposeful and intentional about what they were going to accomplish. And they told themselves they were going to succeed. It's just, it's pretty amazing. Um, mm-hmm. We've got all kinds of examples of it. Yeah. But that's and, and you I'm are, you know, glad self-love you, the muscle. I was going to say, I was going to say, I'm glad you bring up the, the analogy of driving because there's a saying about filling up your own tank of self-love first. And I really, I really right. like that because I love that. I love if that. you um, are not in alignment with who you are and and really mm-hmm. the divine expression of, of who you are and your gifts. Um, it, it's very hard. I mean, I think there's a lot of us who do continually give to others, um, but we really, and we don't afford ourselves that same courtesy. We're not kind. We're not loving. We are not forgiving of ourselves. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, when you start to sort of make peace with yourself and the perceived imperfections that you have and they really are they they are perceived imperfections and you do something or you give love and maybe it's not noticed or appreciated and then that makes you feel like oh you know what I'm not enough you know wasn't enough it wasn't enough I've got to keep giving more and we all know people Mm -hmm. in our lives that that do that and Mm -hmm. I think when you start recognizing that you are here on this planet with a very important purpose. And, and I think, Michael, I read you this before the show, and I'm actually going to post on Instagram. I, I think I'd love to read it. It's from um, Buddha, and it's a quote, and it says, you can search throughout the entire universe for someone who is more deserving of your love and affection 
than you are yourself. And that person is not to be found anywhere. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. Mm-hmm. And I, when, I, when I read that, and I read it over and over to myself, and, and I think that when you sort of say, I am, therefore I am, and really you start to align with that, um, you you do start to see things transform. And I, and I think a lot of it has to do, again, with showing up. So I had a, an event this weekend. Um, it was a healing event. And I have not, I closed my practice. I still see people on occasion. And I've sort mm-hmm. of redefined what I want to do. And somebody, uh, the gentleman who's organizing, asked me if I wanted to be a part of this a healing fair and I thought you know what sure I haven't done anything in a while well as it was the week evolved in such that I didn't have any time to prepare and I (laughs) was doing so many things for so many people and it was a really good lesson in loving myself so the morning Mm -hmm. of the event I thought to myself you know what I am not really prepared I have all these things I I can throw something together I don't I don't think I'm going to go and I, I just, hmm. I thought, I was going to call and bow out. And then I thought, you know what? <laughs> Come on, LaRose, get your act together. You can do this. <laughs> and I did. I got, I got, I put my tablecloth in. I put my materials in. I, I was like, okay, I'll take this. I'll put this on my table. I'll put that on my table and do this. I had my business cards because actually my intention was to, to speak about this podcast and to educate and whatnot. And I'll tell you. I got there 15 minutes before it started. I set everything up, and I was so glad that I went. It was yeah. such yeah. a lovely event. I met the most amazing people, and mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't about making money or doing this or doing that. It was about me doing the best that I could with what I had, and it was wonderful. And they're going to do another mm-hmm. event in. The February, and mm-hmm. the gentleman who organized asked it, and I said, I absolutely would love to, to be a part of it. And what was so interesting is um, I connected with an individual that was at the event, and I, I said to her, I wasn't going to do this. And she said, I wasn't going to do this either. She said, this isn't what I do. I said, this isn't what I do. And I said, but I think I was supposed to meet you. And she said, I think I was supposed to meet you too. And yeah. We, we, and that's really, that's that's what it's all about. It's it it's is. that alignment it and that connection and showing up. Mm-hmm. So I, I love, mm-hmm. love to hear your thoughts, Michael. My thought number one is that you had had the awareness to come to that uh, that notion. Now it that 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 being there, there's always a higher purpose for why we are where we are. And um, mm-hmm. I tell people this all the time. And I have to, you know, I remember it myself, and I call it the magic of life. The magic of life and relational connection is that it doesn't matter where you are. You could be standing in line at the bank. It's not by accident. It's not by mm-hmm. accident. Sure, you're thinking, oh, I've got to come here. I've got to make this deposit, blah, 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 right? I'm just doing this 3D rote thing I do all the time. You know, I'm hanging out in the 3D world. I'm standing in a queue. And I don't like standing in queues. And instead of being focused on uh, the fact that, you're in a queue and you don't want to be in a queue and you'd rather be doing something else, uh, getting yourself all into the lower frequencies of aggravation and frustration uh, and uh, fear that you want to accomplish what you want to accomplish that day, 
you have to let all that go. Remember, number one, that there are no accidents, there are no coincidences, and you're there for a reason. The universe mm-hmm. has placed you wherever you are for a reason. And I am the one that chooses to focus on the reason instead of that I'm in a queue that's going to be, no. I was at the post office today. The first thing I did I'm just, in the morning was one person working, one postal person working behind the desk, and there were 15 of us in line. And I'm going, like, oh, my gosh. I knew it was going to be like that. So I just sat there, and I was listening to something very uplifting, uh, not the Cephasio thing, uh, music, but I was listening to something else that was very uplifting. And I, I, the first thing I said to myself is, okay, this is some great time for me to, to uh, educate myself, to enlighten myself. And uh, enlightenment is the highest frequency that you can, you can operate uh, in mm-hmm. as, as far as frequencies go. Uh, enlightenment is number one um, because it leads to so many other things. It's part of you know, the journey. And so uh, it's, what's, what's interesting about what, what you said is that you were alert, you were aware, and, you, and it's so amazing when that happens. When you turn around to the person behind you and don't say something negative, but say something positive. Mm-hmm. And then they smile. And then you, maybe perhaps they say something to you and, and, and you might find out that they're, they're out of sorts and you can say your acknowledgement is all they need at that particular moment. Uh, maybe perhaps something beyond that to help them move in a different direction, to shift their, their, uh, their thinking or their feelings at that particular moment. Uh, there are uh, many, many, many people who are becoming aware and alert to the fact that they are in control of their own lives, and they, many of them just don't know it. Uh, and those that are, that have wait, awakened to that realization that they're in charge, that they're the ones who can put their hands on the wheel and go wherever they want to go and don't have to listen to what other people think uh, they should do or where they should go, um, those people are looking for help. Hopefully they're, they're listening to the show and they're getting some, some gold nuggets that they can enrich their life with uh, beyond the show um, because, you know, that's what we ask people to do is to just, you know, take, take what you can take to use in your life right now and let the rest sit in your memory banks and pull it out when you get ready, uh, when it mm-hmm. is appropriate, when it is time. But that is the thing. You've got to be aware. Uh, that you're, you're, you're somewhere for a reason. Life becomes much more interesting and adventurous when you do that. Right, right. So and, and it would be e- have been easy for me to go back to bed and blow it off. But that's not my agreement mm-hmm. with myself. And, and I have mm-hmm. to really, if I'm going to live and truly uh, be authentic and <laughs> stand in my truth and really, I think, be an exemplifier um, whatever that is, even for myself, I'm an exemplifier for myself, and I recognize it. And I'm not even sure who said it that life doesn't happen to you; it happens for you. And I love that. I love that it's happening for me. So no matter what it was, any of the challenges, even and who knows, maybe I wasn't supposed to be over prepared for this event, which was absolutely great. I didn't have all of these brochures or anything else. It was it was me. It was it was me. Authentically, it was just me. Exactly. I had to show up, mm-hmm. and I had to be there. And, and I think that that's really what it is. And it's, it's standing in the grace. My grandmother's name was Grace, and I always look. I said, if I could be like my grandma Grace, I would. my life would be mm-hmm. complete because she was such a fine person. 
She never said mm-hmm. an unkind word about anybody. She loved, she opened her heart to everybody. I just, you know, I, I and I think about that, and I and every time I hear that word grace, and I think really, it's a it's really about em, embracing your truth. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and whether it's like, take a deep breath, okay, here we go again, you know, whatever that is. I, and, and it's okay to say, like, I, I'm not, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not. But guess what? I care about myself enough. And I love myself and I'm going to be open to the experience. And that's opening to all of the infinite possibilities that are yet to evolve. And, and I think that when exactly. you connect with your heart, and sort of allow that river of whatever it is to flow, it really, that's when the magic happens and, and magic so follows. And you've got lots of magic. You've got oh, lots of you. magic. <laughs> yeah, you've got lots I of magic. Happen. I'm serious. You yeah. do. you got lots of magic. And, you know, we got we, each of us has to find the magic in ourselves. It's, um, it's something that we, uh, that we should all, uh, you know, spend some time focusing on. You know, we, we get caught up in life. This is the biggest challenge for us right now. We get, it used to be that one person could, make, uh, could lead the household financially and the others. And, you know, now that's not the case. Now it, it takes two people. It's very, very, very uh, challenging from an expense perspective to live uh, in wherever you, in most of these cities. You have to leave and go, go find some place that, that, uh, that you can afford to live in and have a higher quality of life. Uh, so if you want to live in a place where there's lots of people, it's going to be very expensive to live there. And so what suffers? What suffers? Um, self-love doesn't have to suffer if that is an intention and a focus mm-hmm. that you have for yourself. It doesn't have to suffer. Your outside circumstances don't define who you are. If you've chosen to be in a big, busy city, uh, New York, Atlanta, L.A., San Francisco, blah, 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 it goes on. Tampa, Orlando, Miami. I mean, you can you can you can see that there are a lot of people looking to get in. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot to do. You can discover who you are much more easily in a big city because there's so much more, so many more things to take uh, advantage of. Art classes and and you can go to workshops and seminars and you can uh, find the music that you want to find. You can find a lot of things, plays and and there are acting and theater and there's there's things that you can do uh, that that involve discovering who you are mm-hmm. in a big city. And if you focus on that, instead of the, uh, the, the, the stress related to living in a big city, things change almost instantaneously. You know? But let's believe people with this today. I would say set the intention. Set, set self-love is one of, your, one of your highest intentions. And act accordingly. Think and act accordingly. That, that would be my suggestion, number one. You've got to have the intention to, to, to be self-loving. You have to make that a high priority for you. And then start, let everything branch out from there. Uh, in other words, your, your inner conversation, your language is, is one of the branches. Your actions are one of the branches. Um, how you deal with experiences, that's another branch. There's all these little branches that make up your own little tree, but it starts with your own intention to be self-loving. We could talk about those other branches in our coming episodes. That's beautiful. Thank you, Michael. I'm so honored to be with you, and I, and I just want to say one thing. I love you, and you can do anything. <laughs> I love you, and you can do anything. I love you, and you That's can do right, anything. That's right, baby. Thank That's you for right. that, Michael. Say it a hundred times. And so it is. Thank you. Thank you.